0: This is Healthcare Now Radio's Trending Now. Get ready for an exhilarating 30-minute ride through the latest topics driving change in digital health across the news and social media. Join us as our subject matter host takes the lead in uncovering what's hot and what's not. So buckle up and tune in to stay in the know.
1: Welcome to Trending Now on Healthcare Now Radio where we explore the forefront of healthcare innovations and transformations I'm your humble host, Shahid Shah, and today we're really thrilled to have Ryan Natsky, Chief Revenue Officer at Trust Commerce, a sphere company. What's trending now and what Ryan and I will discuss is whether healthcare consumerism might finally be something real. Uh, we've all heard about it for many, many years that uh, you know the healthcare consumer is going to take over, the healthcare consumer is here. And uh, those have been false starts in the past, so we're going to really dive in and figure out if maybe one really specific area, the patient financial experience, which of course is one of the most important areas, and the role of technology in care delivery related to that financial experience, is potentially helping drive us more and more towards healthcare consumerism. So uh, join us as we discuss these and more trending topics. Uh, Before we get started, I'd just love for uh, Ryan to introduce himself. Uh, Ryan, tell us a little bit about your role at Trust Commerce and how you got into the healthcare industry and what healthcare industry experience do you have uh, before you even got to uh, Sphere?
0: Absolutely. Well, first, thanks for having me on, Shahid. I'm looking forward to this conversation and and, um, talking with you some more about this topic. Um, So I'm the, as you mentioned, I'm the chief revenue officer at Trust Commerce. Uh, I've been here almost six years. Um, Trust Commerce is an integrated payments company with a really deep focus on the healthcare vertical. So a lot of our partners and our customers are um, healthcare providers or healthcare technology providers companies that are looking to um, improve the patient billing experience. So we're kind of the API inside uh, of the, from a payments perspective to help with security and the compliance within those workflows. Um, Before joining Trust Commerce, um, I started out my career in the health IT space at Epic um, and I got into it because They were one of the only places that gave me a job out of college. Um, So I I couldn't have landed, I think, in a better spot. I loved my time there. I learned so much. I learned about healthcare. I learned how a great big company runs. Um, Met some colleagues that I'll probably continue to work with for the rest of my career. Um, I started out there on the implementation team um, for the inpatient pharmacy application Willow. Did that for a, a few years. And then I transitioned over to Epic's vendor relations team. Um, So I helped manage the partnerships between Epic and the different companies that they integrated with across clinical decision supports, revenue cycle, payments, kind of everything across the board. Um, And that's actually where I got to know Trust Commerce, because we do have um, a lot of overlapping customers of using Trust Commerce with MyChart and with Resolute for some of the payment workflows there. Um, In between companies, I spent um, a few years at an early stage digital health um, venture capital fund called Health X Ventures. Um, Learned to come there as well. It went from a 10,000 person company to being the fourth employee at a venture fund and working with startups that were seed, series A, just a handful of employees. So got to see kind of how that side of the spectrum worked. Um, But really what I learned there is that I I like being an operator. I like being within a technology company. I like um, helping out advanced healthcare um, on the tech side. So that's when I made the jump over to Trust Commerce, um, partially because I had some of the relationship from my epic time. But also, I, it, when you're at the venture capital fund, you're doing a lot of market research and this intersection of payments and healthcare, just tons of activity, tons of stuff happening. Um, and it just it kind of drew, drew me into an area that needs a lot of help and, and isn't fixed at the moment.
1: No, I love it. And one of the reasons why I really like uh, your background is that it's rooted in the difficulties of healthcare, but with the optimism that something uh, is possible on the healthcare consumer side. So let's start with the poster child of a consumer, and that is Amazon recently entered healthcare delivery, uh, specifically with an acquisition. It wasn't uh, natural within their company. Talk a little bit about what you see as Amazon, which is, again, a poster child of consumerism on the healthcare delivery side, and how do you perceive this affecting maybe traditional healthcare providers, if in any way that uh, is possible?
0: Yeah, so the first thing that comes to mind for me with Amazon and other groups getting involved in it is um, it it really shows the patient and the consumer choice of where they get their healthcare. I guess when you think years ago and, and... not that far, but you can go as far back as you want. A lot of healthcare decisions of where you're seen are driven by your health plan and your employer. Um, So you're kind of told, hey, this is the health plan. This is where you can go. You go there. You don't really have a whole lot of choice. Amazon really changes that. And and so do other, some of those other telehealth providers and the direct to consumer groups. And it really changes the dynamic for the kind of the traditional healthcare provider where, all right, you're competing for those patients now, and not just at the payer level or at the employer contract level, but at the, I have a sore throat, I need to go see somebody, that moment, you need to be able to have them come to you instead of somewhere else. So I think that's one of the biggest things that comes to mind in terms of how that's impacting the healthcare industry and whether they stick with it. And and obviously, lots of people have come in from outside healthcare and tried to disrupt it. And it's very difficult. But I think that the choice is the big thing that, that comes to my mind with um, with groups like Amazon getting involved.
1: Yeah, I think the lesson you're giving us here is that uh, the competitors are not the doctor down the street. It's not the hospital down the street anymore. It is certainly those, but then you've got bigger competitors of like the CVSs of the world, the uh, uh, Amazons of the world. And the fact that Amazon... Is uh, you know bought an entire primary care system, uh, and then now is offering uh, primary care as part of a Prime membership. I think it's like ten bucks a month uh, for primary care if you're already a, a Prime member. I mean that that is a, a fundamental shift in real choice and consumerism in healthcare is actually supposed to start with choice. So I'm glad you you mentioned that. Now uh, when you and I were talking earlier. You had mentioned that uh, your work uh, in the financial experience side uh, has recently introduced uh, things like digital wallets, offering more flexible, convenient, and different uh, payment methods. How important is that, and how important is the financial experience uh, when you're going to uh, hospitals and health systems and doctor's offices, which are still mostly run by insurance?
0: Yeah, and i I know it's cliche to keep bringing up Amazon, but I'll start there. Like, when's the last time you had an experience on Amazon and you actually thought about the payment process? One of their best innovations was the one-click to pay. You've got the card on file; it just goes. You don't. It's not a hurdle. It's not any friction with your experience with them. And now look at healthcare, and it's the total opposite. You do, oftentimes don't even know how much you're gonna owe until weeks after the care has been delivered. And um, some of that is with the system, but also some of it's with the care delivery. I had a um, a routine visit with a dermatologist. I've got skin cancer in my family, so I, I go to the skin doctor. And the um, the doctor said, hey, do you want to take, do you want to get rid of that mole today? And I said, okay, yeah, let's do it. There was no mention of, hey, I think this will actually cost 100 bucks or 200 bucks. And live, being in this space, I knew that that wasn't going to be free. Even being in this area, I didn't know if it was going to be twenty bucks, fifty bucks, hundred bucks, two hundred fifty bucks, and nobody told me. And I just got a bill in the mail a couple of weeks later. So there's still a lot of work to do, obviously, in the healthcare space. And the ways that you pay are a part of that. It's um, it's not all cash, it's not all checks, it's not all cards. There's still a lot of those less popular, I guess, payment methods. Um, in healthcare, but we've definitely started to see the adoption of more things like digital wallets to use Apple pay and Google pay and stuff like that to pay for your care. And, and as a consumer myself, and we're all consumers, but we're also all patients. I know that sometimes my wallet's up in my bedroom and I'm getting my bill on my phone and I go to pay it. And I didn't, I don't remember my, my um, CDV. So I pause, I wait, maybe I forget. I'll do it a couple of days later. But if i can use google pay and i can just put my fingerprint on there and pay it i'll pay it faster um and when you when you see some of the data of surveying preferred payment methods if apple pay isn't there if google pay isn't there that oftentimes doesn't mean somebody's not going to pay but they're voting with the, their choices and we've seen it with our own data epic released um support for apple pay and google pay a little over a year ago so we've started to see our customers start implementing that more and it's just a hockey stick looking at the data of um the patients choosing to use some of those digital wallets. And it just makes the experience better because they're not using their preferred method of, of payment.
1: Makes sense. Uh, so Ryan, tell us a little bit about what does a experience of patients look like where they're not using something like Trust Commerce? And then what does the experience look like when they are using something like cross-commerce? what does the patient see different, and how do they operate, and what is more profitable uh, or more convenient for the practice or the hospital themselves?
0: Yeah, And, and one thing I'll probably just caveat is're we're the we're not necessarily driving the full patient um, the patient experience, but we help the groups that do. So my chart's a really good example of one that we're integrated um, really closely with. And so if you're if you're using some of these digital tools like MyChart or VisitPay or Flywire or RevSpring or companies like that that are kind of digital first, um, we acquired a company a couple of years ago called Health Pass that plays with it in the independent physician space. Um, a lot of the groups that are implementing Health Pass, they're moving off of a very paper focused system still they're still sending a lot of paper statements they're putting that envelope in the mail that says hey can you write a check and put it in here and send it back to us um, and, and and maybe there's an option to say hey go to this website and you can go ahead and pay in there too but it, but if that first touch point is paper and you're holding it in your hand all right, I'll, I'll go ahead and do that but if the first touch point is a text message or an email and it says click here let's take care of this right now and pay for it uh, patients pay sooner. Um, the money gets to you sooner. Um, it's easier to reconcile. It goes right to your bank account. You don't have to work with a lockbox or anything like that. Um, and it just kind of gets out of mind for the patient as, um, very quickly if you can kind of streamline that process and put them put the right workflow, the preferred workflow in front of them first.
1: Yeah, it seems like an obvious choice uh, for practices, especially because uh, slow payment is a major issue for almost all healthcare providers. Are there any trust issues in terms of receiving a text message and the patient saying, I don't know who you are, I'm not paying you, uh, or getting something through email? Or are you able to do something that uh, uh, garners the trust beforehand with the consumers so that when they get the text message or email, they'll actually pay? Yeah, it's a
0: super good question. And i and, um I think we we all get those text messages. Say, hey, click here to pay the bill. And all right, is it really is it really the the real thing? Um, some some of that comes up with just the communication and expectation setting with the patient. If the patient's checking out, you can say, Hey, expect a, let's get your cell phone number on 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 record here, we'll use it for appointment reminders. They're already getting some of those notifications today. You're gonna get notified. What is your preferred billing notification? Do you prefer text message or do you prefer email? Um, And then it kind of gets their acknowledgement that, oh yeah, I made this choice that I said I wanted to get this text message. And then there's a couple different ways that um, I've seen this implemented. You can just actually redirect them right to their MyChart login in another portal and they can pull up their statement and they can see all right here. Oh yeah, I did see Dr. Smith last Last Tuesday, and this is my bill for it, and I'll take care of it right here. Um, but also, we've seen some really creative things done um, where you can log into a portal and say, "All right, I want to pay by text message. I'm going to put my card on file or get my HSA or FSA card in here, and for any bill less than five hundred dollars, let me pay over that by by call." And what can happen there is you get a text message, and you say, and it says. Hey Ryan, you've got a bill due for your visit with Doctor Smith. Um, your auto pocket's eighty-five dollars. We have your card on file. It ends in one two three four. Reply back with pay one to hit your card. And now I don't have to log into anything. I don't have to go ahead and do it. I am more comfortable with it because I actually am the one that set it up. I click the settings, I put my phone number in, I put my card in there. I know it's coming. So if you can set through some of that communication and expectation setting up front, it does help smooth out some of the the risk and um, kind of the scary stuff that comes out of the the bad actors that try to mimic that stuff.
1: No, it sounds like a lot of context setting uh, d- does remain the responsibility of the healthcare delivery organization, but uh, it- it's a small uh, and mostly communication based. so that the, you know, when they do get the message, they trust them. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare Now Radio. This is Trending Now. I'm Shahid Shah, and I'm talking to Ryan Natsky, Chief Revenue Officer at Trust Commerce, and we're discussing healthcare consumerism trends, especially as they flow into the patient financial experience. And so Ryan's been teaching us a lot about how the financial experience may be enough of a consumer experience uh, so you don't have to go change all your clinical and other workflows and still benefit patients uh, with the kind of experience uh, that they're expecting. So let's jump in a little bit to the other uh, impacts of technology uh, today. So in the context of large healthcare systems that are expanding across regions, What have you seen, especially maybe from the past uh, uh, your time at uh, Epic, in in integrating these payment systems with EHRs? How hard is that? Is this, you know, weeks and months worth of work, or can it be done pretty quickly?
0: It definitely takes some time, especially with some of these bigger systems. Um, I think one area that – I mean, Epic's – the thing with the – So a lot of these organizations that are going through this is they're already, they're big groups that are getting bigger. And Epic has historically continues to really dominate this space. So you might run into an area where an Epic organization and another Epic organization are emerging. So there's some discussion there to say all right, are we gonna stay on different instances of Epic? Are we gonna merge onto one? In many cases, the, the, the long-term vision is, all right, maybe we don't need to do it tomorrow, but the long-term plan is, let's get on one instance of Epic, both from the sharing of the clinical information, but also the patient journey on the operational side, on the scheduling side and on the billing side can be a little bit more consolidated so that maybe you see the, um, the physician as a part of the medical group, one day you go to see the hospital. Um, a couple of days later, they can combine your statements for you. Put that all together as one. Um, so there's there's a lot of work and a lot of lift to combine those systems. Um, but if you're using Epic, they see those groups seem to have a little bit of a, a smoother a path to that. If you've got an Oracle Cerner group and an Epic group coming, all right, how are we gonna how are we gonna merge that together? Um, and how and what are we gonna use from a go forward perspective? Or if it's an Epic group just straight up buying an Allscripts customer or a Meditech customer or something like that, they might just say, all right, we're getting rid of that one. You're coming on our Epic instance and we're going to map a plan to do that over the next 12, 18, 24
1: months. Got it. Yeah. So when you look at these uh, movements, especially on the patient financial experience, what are tangential experiences to this financial experience that you think could be a potential next uh, uh, step that practices and hospitals and health systems could take to then impact a greater uh, experience, such as them coming into uh, their uh, healthcare delivery organizations or parking, et cetera? What are, what are some tangential things that people could start taking care of? Well,
0: I think in... You let me know if I'm not answering your question the way that you're asking it, but I think one of the things that we've seen is moving more of that patient experience and patient communications upfront. What can we do more before the visit when it comes to um, providing that estimate, getting a card on file, setting up somebody with a payment plan before they even step foot or to have that procedure done. Um, so much of healthcare has been reactive right? I'm sick. I need to go get seen. I get seen. I pay. I get a bill. I pay later. Um, To the extent that we can um, understand what somebody's coming in for, if they're having a procedure or it's an office visit, all right, how much are they going to owe? And the thing about healthcare is if you and I buy the same thing at Target, it's going to cost the same thing. But if your insurance is different than mine, our out-of-pocket can be drastically different. Um, so having that be personalized at scale and being able to communicate some of that stuff up front helps that patient journey. And then the under the reactive way, the last taste in your mouth with your provider is oftentimes the billing experience, right? You get that Press Ganey survey and they're like, how, is, how did everything go? And if the last thing you remember is, I got a bill that cost four times more than I thought, you're going to score accordingly. But if the last thing you remember is, oh, I didn't even have to pay because I got my card on file and they told me how much it was gonna be and it just happened. Now your last experience is your actual conversation with your care provider. Yeah, it's oftentimes gonna be a lot better. That's where a lot of the focus has been, right? How can we make this experience better during the clinical visit? Sometimes that financial side is a little bit of an afterthought. So by kind of shifting where things are and making it smoother, even, even even if it's mostly a perceived improvement, just because of shifting stuff around, it does benefit in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, no, you you hit the nail on the head. And I think really the the biggest question here is that uh, implementing, you know, transparent po- pricing policies and things like that in healthcare, they're often seen as an improvement on patient trust, as a requirement for patient trust, basically. But it's controversial because of the complexity of healthcare pricing, not forget just PBMs and health insurance, et cetera. The something something that do, uh, happens for you versus for me will have a different uh, repl- uh, a different way of being paid just because the amount of time et cetera, might be different. So, how do you navigate these complexities? How does uh, Trust Commerce try to make these pricing uh, things transparent so that brand and uh, other impacts are not uh, uh, so drastic on that last experience that a patient has?
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of it is the transparency up front. And some of the legislation, obviously, the uh, has created more avenues to get an estimate. I It still feels like a lot of it is reactive. Somebody's got to call in and say, hey, I've got this appointment in two weeks. How much is this going to cost? And they have to do it, but you're calling in. Somebody's logging into a, a payer portal, potentially plugging in some information. Maybe you're on hold because you're calling into a call center. So I think one area is more proactive and automated estimates and getting that done at scale, I think is is where we're going. And I think that's really going to unlock a lot of this. And um, I'll get to your specific question, but also with that is you can make better care decisions as well if you know how much something is going to cost. If you aren't sure what something's going to be, maybe you're delaying an, an elective surgery that's not really elective. You need a knee replacement. You need a hip replacement. It's quality of life for you. Um, So if you know how much it's going to cost, you can plan for it. You can budget for it. You can um, save up if you need to, to be able to get some of these procedures and medical care done in the first place. Um, So how Trust Commerce fits in there is we help with storing of the payment information, getting that card on file, potentially updating it later if a card gets lost or stolen to make it so you don't have to go in and take your old card out and put your new one in because your payment plan stopped and you didn't realize that your card got switched out between your second and third payments. Um, And we help with the compliance and the security of that. Nobody wants to store card data. Health systems are very much target for hackers and thieves and all that sort of good stuff. So if there's nothing there to steal in the first place because it's not on your servers, it's on ours, then that's all of our job is to maintain this. Then, uh, so then we help with with helping with that security and the compliance and make some of those processes a lot easier and automated. Nice. Uh, so,
1: in the last few minutes that we have, uh, let's talk about um, the the other value of having a better general consumer experience or even uh, just a financial experience is that it makes you more competitive, right? As a as a provider. So tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, how does that competitive edge get improved? And then could there be unintended consequences of focusing heavily on the financial aspect of patient care?
0: So for the first one, for the how to improve your competitiveness, um, we kind of touched on it before, but the financial experience is is a big part to the overall patient journey. Obviously the care from your, your clinical team is very important, But the financial experience can have a big impact on you, especially if you're on a high deductible health plan, Um, or a lot of times you don't plan to go to the emergency room or the hospital, right? So a lot of times these are unplanned expenses. So by showing empathy and and making these financial workflows better, you'll stand out from a competitive perspective because people are attached not only to their, their clinician and the care they got, but again, it's all part of that patient journey. Um, and then refer, remind me, of the second part of your question,
1: sorry. So is there any issue, uh, like if you focus a lot on financials, uh, you may give, it, it, let's say, not necessarily inaccurate advice, but if you can't afford the best care, a lot of people feel like, well, if you're focusing on the money that I owe you, you won't give me the best care. Any feelings like that you've that you've seen or uh, just handling finances up front makes the entire experience, including any unintended consequences of not being able to uh, give the right uh, clinical uh, guidance, uh, does it take care of that as well?
0: Yeah. And I think um, I think with the shift of the high deductible health plans and, and patients paying more out of pocket than they ever have done before, they've come to expect that this is this is part of the deal, right? That they need to do this. Um, I was on the phone with a CIO of a health system probably 10, 15 years ago now. And I said, hey, what do you think about... Getting somebody to pay based off of their estimate before their visit. It's like there's no way my patients are never gonna do this. They're never gonna come back. They're not gonna. Sh- they're, they're gonna drop out. And now you have that conversation with health systems, and they're saying, "Oh yeah, we need to do that." And the patients, they, they they've come to expect it now. So rather than having them think, "Hey, what's what is this gonna cost?" Have it in the back of their mind that there's some big scary unknown out there. Get it all out there let people have all the information they need to make the best care decisions for themselves along with the advice from their care team. And I think um, we'll all be better off with having information out there.
1: That is fantastic advice. And uh, we've got uh, uh, almost our entire time flew by here. So uh, thanks a lot for your uh, insightful uh, perspectives. You've taught us a lot. And and the two key things that I'd love for everyone to take away is financial experience is your first consumer experience. And and like uh, Ryan mentioned, That may be the last bad or good taste uh, in their mouth that a patient might have about you. And second, don't worry too much about the fact that these high deductible plans and others might adjust how you, uh, which prescription you might make or what types of testing that you might order because it's supposed to do exactly that. Not everyone can afford everything. And just charging everybody for something now and then hoping that they can pay for it later actually adds more stress. So with that, uh, right before we leave, any quick uh, website or any other contact you want to give out for people to contact you guys?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So our trust, our website is trustcommerce.com. You can find more about our platform and the team we have here and all sorts of contact information um, to get a hold of us there.
1: Awesome. Thanks a lot for your uh, time. Any uh, last things you want to say before we wind up? No, this was great. Thank you so much for
0: having me on here. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much. Same here.
1: Thanks a lot.